0: Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick.
1: The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright bullies from pulling the wall on us. Faiting and taking on all the plates
0: to pay pay-to-troll.
1: Document the way that they aim to take control. Succinize and do their lies and make them fall. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt to grab a shovel and dig.
0: First off, uh, it's actually been a while since we've mentioned it, but I did want to remind folks about our Patreon campaign, where you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash uh, We've been growing the community there, and it's been great to see and a lot of fun. And just recently, we released our very first backers-only podcast based on a really fantastic question sent in by a backer about what would the world look like without any intellectual property laws. So subscribe to check it out. Now, on to today's topic. It's kind of astounding, I think, when you think about just how everyday air travel has become. I'm still just old enough, I think, to remember the idea that flying somewhere was an event. It was something special that you'd get dressed up for, and it was a big deal. Things have certainly changed a lot over the years with certainly a whole bunch of things, including new airlines, mergers, uh, so disappearing airlines, frequent flyer programs, and, and much, much more. But I think we really rarely Take a step back and think about how much technology innovation is happening behind the scenes. Uh, sure, many air airplanes now have internet access in the sky and seatback entertainment screens and all that that we sort of see and experience. And of course, these days you probably book your flights online. Uh, though I had a terrible experience <laughs> just last night trying to book a flight where the in- airline's website refused to actually let me pay, which seems like kind of a core function. Uh, But we'll leave that story aside for now. We may revisit it during this podcast. (laughs) But um, there's been so much technological innovation happening behind the scenes, stuff that most of us never actually get to see and that most of us probably never even think about. Um, Though it's still pretty interesting. One person who has thought a lot about it is Adam Fletcher, the co-founder of Gyroscope Software, who previously built up Google's airline reservation system, among a variety of other things. He's joining us today with our regular co-host, Dennis Yang, to talk about all things related to the technology behind commercial air travel these days. I have a whole bunch of questions (laughs) related to this, but uh, I'm going to uh, take a shot in the dark and suggest that the question people most often ask when they find out about this is your background, which is... uh, How can you book the cheapest flight, which seems to be the the thing that everyone always wants to know. So we can start with that and then we can go on to lots of other stuff. But welcome. Thank you for for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for having
2: me. Uh, That is the most common question (laughs) by far. and I think it's an interesting question because, you, you you know, people say, I want to book the cheapest flight. And what, what they quickly find out is that's not really true. So right. let's say you want to fly from Boston to San Francisco, you know, or vice versa, right? And if you say, let's book the cheapest flight, the cheapest flight may take you through something like Juneau, Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. probably not thrilled about that. It may take like four days, right? Um, what you probably mean is the cheapest flight with one or no, no stops. <laughs> right. At the time you want to fly. Right. Um, and, you know cheapest including all of your baggage and everything like that and your layovers can't be you know 12 hours or anything like that so so it's so and then it turns out that when you actually get to the point of booking you might might be actually more amenable to to spending a little more money maybe to fly virgin Absolutely versus this or right. that or yep. whatever right so it's so um but but it to answer such a th- simple
1: question <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: to answer the simple question right The the tldr question is right uh is I like to look on matrix.itasoftware.com, which is a, a site sort of well-known in the, in the flying mm-hmm. community for for its fairly advanced flight search options. Um, and, and it's actually backed by the, the software that most, most companies use to search for flights. Uh, you cannot book your flights on Matrix, but huh. you can certainly find the cheap fares and then go to the website of the airline and oh, book there. Oh, interesting.
0: Okay. Um. And 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 why is that?
2: <laughs> That's a- uh, matrix is it's it's a the site matrix is sort of a, a historical demo for what ITA software built their flight search software their product called QPX, um, and and you know, being a, it, being able to book a flight is very different from being able to search for a flight, and you need right. to have a the whole sorts of different integrations and relationships and things like that to be able to to do the booking.
0: Interesting. So why why couldn't I book my flight last night? Well, that's a great question. Why? why yeah, one of the things it's funny
2: that that you talk about not being able to pay for things. One of the things I constantly struggle with now in my. In my role as a founder, is I want to just buy these services to do right. things I don't have time for. Yeah, and it's like every time I go to 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 go to the website and then I'm like, it's like download a white paper and then contact us. <laughs> I'm like, no, just take my money. Like, yeah. I just want to exchange money for goods and services. It's not hard,
0: right? Like again, it seems like a simple question. Yeah, like, and and especially this far into the e-commerce uh, world, shocking. Um, yeah, no, no. The the issue with mine was was literally I get to the very end, I go through the whole thing, and I yeah, I line up all the flights, and then there's there's the payment thing and there's a thing that says add new credit card <laughs> that is unclickable. <laughs> and, and I was like, that's weird. And I thought like maybe there's something with my browser or like I have an extension that's causing some sort of problem. And I wipe out all the extensions and I try again, I get the same thing. And then I called and I spent half an hour on the phone with the guy and he walks through the whole thing. He gets to the end. And the same thing happens to him. <laughs> and I'm like, You work for the airline. <laughs> but he
1: has the same basically he's he's working with the same yeah, interface, it, yeah. right? Like, it, it depends who you're calling. But yeah. Sometimes
2: question. sometimes yes, they have almost exactly the same interface. Certainly if it's if you're booking through something like Kayak or, or uh-huh. Orbits, right? They probably have the same, roughly the same interface as you. They maybe have a few more superpowers, but but if you're calling someone, you know, the airline directly. That could be a very different story where they could directly access the, the this the was the airline directly yeah, but, but, no. but but
0: but there, there was an issue. I was trying to use mileage with it. so I think he was wow. saying like if if i was if I wasn't using mileage, then yeah. it, it, it would have uh, he would have been able to like go into a different system, but because oh, I was he had to use the the website interesting. Basically the he basically yeah. had to pretend he was me.
1: But I think, like, why why is it so complicated? Is this a yeah. complicated problem? <laughs> uh,
2: is is paying with two different forms of payment, or paying with or, just mileage versus,
1: or just like? I mean, we can just go even further. Like, why is like finding a flight? Why why is yeah, why, yeah. why why
0: why sure. is why is why is the airline booking system so complicated? It's right. it's, it's, it's like amazingly this, this, complicated. This, yeah, it's the system that that I think everyone is kind of scared of and nobody understands. Why is that?
2: Sure. So so I think a little bit of history is very helpful here because I think that. Uh, you can't understand the complexity without putting it in the correct historical context and so if we if we look back at when commercial air air travel became popular and this is really post-world War II, when when uh we had sort of gotten out of the war america had uh quite a lot of you know it was booming economically right and you had people with disposable income and, and also you had significant advances in in flight safety of flight and things right. like that around the country um, and you had a lot more pilots which is actually kind of an interesting aspect of people coming back from mm-hmm. World War II, people who who were employable as pilots, huh. um, and and but you still had a ton of regulation. So flying then was very the 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 fares were all government controlled, the the flight paths and where you were allowed to fly to. You know the route from like SFO to Hawaii. You know I think that's like TWA route one was like <laughs> was like restrict like only right. TWA had that and the government made it and they all met once a year and decided who got to huh. fly where. Um, and in the fifties, what happened was fifties uh, and sixties. What happened was after the United States had started using computers to build Sage, which is the sort of uh, ground warning system for nuclear weapons, uh, American Airlines and IBM got together and decided that they would they could use that very same technology. This idea of tracking many you know sim- signals, many uh, planes on the ground, missiles in the air, et cetera, right. to track people and planes and thing and baggage and and things like that associated with air, air travel. And they built a system called Sabre. Right. Uh, okay. And so, and it's important. And, and, this, and Sabre, this was in the 1960s. Late 60s. Six, 60s yeah, 60s huh, time. Okay. So so remember, at this time, like, the number of computers in the world is probably countable on uh, you know, less than 100, right? Right. So this is not, like, this is a pretty early <laughs> innovation <laughs> of computers. Yeah. So you have, but, but they had amazing, amazing things like distributed uh, databases. They had database schemas. They had... Um, Asynchronous and synchronous networking. Mm-hmm. You know they had all these technologies that, like, if you go to Hacker News right now, like there'll be people <laughs> talking about how cool it <laughs> is they can do them in Node, in Lisp, or whatever <laughs> right, on top of each right. other. Right? Like someone's someone's trying to solve that problem that's already been solved um, <laughs> years and years ago. Uh, so, so you didn't actually. That's not when the complexity started. Okay. When the complexity really hit was deregulation in the mm. late seventies, early eighties of the airline industry, where suddenly. Right. It wasn't that the government gave you these routes to fly. Right. It was you competed in the open market for these routes to fly. Right. It wasn't. And, and pricing then became different because you couldn't just arbitrarily pick some number that maximized your profit, you know, and was just no one could compete. There's no way to find a cheaper number. But now, like, you are competing against someone else who wants to fly from SFO to Boston or whatever. Right. Some other airline. And so at that point, computers became a tool, uh, in a competitive tool. And, um, you know, people who had access to computer reservation systems could dynamically and quickly change their offerings and the prices of their offerings in ways that other airlines couldn't. And and when you take the pressure of competition, the prices go way down. Right. And you start looking for new and new ways to, to build fees up and, and create interesting fares that will fill planes that wouldn't be filled normally. And you start adding things like fare rules, which are the rules that say, like, yes, you're allowed to travel here. At these dates, you can't get a refund. (laughs) Um, I was telling a story earlier that, like, in some places you have interesting fair rules that dictate things like, can you bring a meat trophy (laughs) online, which is like a carcass of a hunted animal, you know? (laughs) I'm like, does that need its own seat? Or are you allowed to check it? Like, if you have an infant on your lap, but they become over two years old when you cross the international dateline, line <laughs> can they still stay on your lap like you right, have those crazy right. rules right right um for for the computer scientists among you uh the fair ruling language that's used today is turing complete like i mean it's kind of amazing <laughs> right like it's so complex but this complexity really yeah. is born out of you know competition and the desire to to uh, make money right really in the long run
0: interesting and and um and so then so what kind of what happened to, i guess take us from that moment to, to more today right so sure. so you had saber, you had deregulation you had then then on top of that you had the introduction of the internet yep. which i think you know created a sort of a different a different world like people were you know yeah. booking themselves as opposed to like going to travel yeah. agents or yeah. what and so ha, so so take us through that part sure
2: so that. i think that's actually also really an interesting place so Uh, In the 80s, after deregulation, you had the people, like I said, who had control of the computer reservation systems. And importantly, they had uh, built up a network of travel agents uh, who would rent or lease a terminal that was connected to the mainframe. Mm -hmm. And they would use that to search for how much your flight costs versus a book. And that meant that whomever owned these terminals could list their flights first right, on the first screen of the search results would be, you know, American versus Eastern or whatever. Right, Um, And that became hugely competitive. And what happened with the internet was uh, two things happened. One, you didn't need to walk down the street and talk to a travel agent anymore. That terminal is, you know, available via the web, which is kind of amazing. And two, some very smart computer scientists at MIT decided to apply computer science to the problem of searching for fares to try to make it equitable and to try to answer the question you just asked, which is like, how do I find my cheapest flights? Right. Like, they couldn't yeah. figure that out. Right. Because the, <laughs> the travel agents weren't doing that. Right. They were finding the first flight. Right. They're humans. <laughs> right. They're lazy. They're like, oh, first flight, this is the flight you want. Right. Um And what they quickly discovered is given those, all those fare rules, given the schedules, given the the actual prices themselves, um, and then giving the airlines willingness to sell the ticket itself, like that is really, really complicated. I mean, it's like XP space hard. If you know your, <laughs> <Right>. your uh, <laughs> complexity notations, right. It's, it's, it's unsolvably complicated. Right. But, uh, but still, even just heuristically, or just solving it approximately, you could solve it way better with computers uh, dedicated to the problem than you could with a human looking at a screen full of text. And so quickly, when you have a flight search software like that, that reliably gives you very good answers or better answers than you get from an agent, the agents have no more place. You know, right. the, the regular people can go get that same data faster.
0: And, and so... I know that, you know, the sort of, in the, the sort of early internet days, right, there were a whole bunch of sort of flight search properties that that popped up. Now, some of them were sort of just reaching back into Sabre, right? Yeah, yep. very much. Um, but then some of them weren't, or were they all really reaching into Sabre? So, that...
2: it, it's interesting. That's a good question, right? Yeah. Um, and what you have to divorce is the interface with which you use to search for flights, which would say mm-hmm. like Kayak or Expedia or something, and then... The system which they use right. to actually search the flights, which is usually a, another a completely different business to business system, right. such as ITA software's QPX or, you know, Sabre or another thing. And one of the uh, what happened there is mostly people found out that QPX, because it took an algorithmic approach to this, was, a, was better. The results were better. They were cheaper and they were bookable. Hmm. Right. Whereas a linear search of Sabre might take a long time and so on and so forth. And so they quickly discovered that that's what made them, you know, bookable is better. You want your people to, when they find a flight, actually be able to buy the <laughs> ticket for the flight, right. <laughs> regardless of their ability to process credit cards. <laughs> right, right. You right. Want, them <laughs> want the flight to have seats on it, available right. for you to fly.
0: Interesting. And, and um, so what I guess, so in the sort of more recent era, I guess, what what do you think is sort of the most interesting innovation that's that's happened?
2: So one of the things that I think you're seeing actually show up, manifested in a lot of companies now that the airlines have been doing for a long time Mm -hmm. is this thing called revenue management. And and we may Mm -hmm. think of it, uh, you can map this loosely to like Uber's demand pricing. Mm -hmm. We're like, if people want a lot of this thing, we're going to charge more for it. If they don't want it, we're going to charge less for it. Airlines do this all the time. They've been doing this for years, right? right? And they're trying to predict when are people going to fly? When are the, you know... How many seats on this plane can I sell? Should I have this be a seven thirty-seven or seven forty-seven on this route? Which route should I buy? Right. They're, they're really trying to maximize their revenue because if you think about it, a plane flying a plane from point A to point B is a fixed cost. The fuel costs so much, right. the pilots cost so much, the staff costs so much, and and until you make all that money up, you're losing money. Right, right. But the instant you make all that money up, regardless of if that's one passenger renting the whole plane, <laughs> you know, or or a full right. plane's worth, then it's just pure margin. Right. Yeah. Everything yeah. after that is marginal profit. So. Right. Um, you know, so, you, so you have that problem, but revenue management, I think this idea of demand-based pricing and taking a really intelligent look at what your demand curves look like on a, on a near real-time basis, I think that's going to be an innovation that as opposed to being new in the airline industry will spread out to more industries outside of the airline industry.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause like plane tickets are one, are one of the few products I can think about that we, we kind of accept culturally is like, I'll, I'll buy a plane ticket. To somewhere, and you buy the plane ticket tomorrow. And if it's a, the price is different, I'm kind of if it's more, I'm kind of happy. If it's less, I'm kind of annoyed. Yeah. But I'm okay with the fact that it fluctuates. You I expected think it. Yeah. yeah. The only other things I can think about that really fluctuate that way are like what gasoline, yeah. um yeah. maybe milk. I don't know. <laughs> like what? Like what else? Yeah. Like I um, and, and I fresh don't fresh fish maybe I, you know perishable. And I think that like yeah. Uber definitely you know they pushed on some um, very sensitive kind of sen- sensitive feelings when they started introducing demand. The, the whole the surge, surge pricing, pricing, because we haven't had that before in taxi cabs. Like it was right. never, never, it, may, it might, maybe on like an ad hoc basis. Like I remember, you know, 10 years ago or 15, probably like 15 years ago in New York City, like I was trying to get a cab and someone put like two fingers up there, which I guess means like I'll pay double your, <laughs> your cab price. Whoa. I've and, never heard that. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and someone explained, my dad explained to me, he's like, yeah, in, in a rainstorm, you have to put two and then the taxi cab will pull in front of you and and you got to pay them twice. But, so, maybe it was kind of happening on a casual basis, but Uber definitely put it into, into practice. Interesting. Um, yeah. In a, in, a, in a very kind of codified way, which yeah. I thought was cool.
2: I, I think that, yeah, it's an interesting, it, it's interesting too in a city like San Francisco or Boston, where both where I used to live, cabs were not available all over. Yeah. Like New York, yeah. you can get a cab, right? Mm-hmm. Pretty much always get a cab. But here, one thing Uber did, they gave you benefit to go with that sort of odd pricing model yeah. or that what yeah. seemed at the time like a strange pricing model. They gave you availability. So they said, like, yes, I'll be there. Yeah, you have to pay more, but you get me. Yeah. Whereas a taxi, it's like maybe I get you, yeah. maybe I don't. You know.
1: And they they kind of gave it by you know because everyone has a mobile phone. They almost gave San Francisco the necessary liquidity that like New York City has just by nature of having cabs everywhere. Right.
0: Um, yeah, and I, um, it's interesting to me going back to the the, the flight stuff. Um, like I, I just recently, and I'm trying to remember which airline did this um, where I was flying somewhere. It May have been Virgin. And I, and I, like a day or two before the flight, yeah. I got an email and I've, I've seen things before where obviously like you can upgrade to, mm-hmm. to first class or whatever, but this was, it was actually like an auction. Yeah. It was like, yeah. you can bid, more on, more you can bid on first, uh, class. On first yeah. class. And if you win the auction, then you'll get the first class seat. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so yeah. like my first reaction was like, well, you know, how much would I really pay for that? Like, you know, cause you're on the flight already, which is yeah. kind of cool. Right. And so, I I mean, I'm used to like, if there's a seat available, like when you check in or whatever, they'll say like for this amount, but this was, there's a 24 hour auction, you know, and you could bid. And I went and I was like, well, maybe I'd pay like 30 or 50 bucks or something. And, but they're like, the starting bid had to be like 300. And I was like, "Ah, I'm not going to do that.
2: yeah That's the thing (laughs) I've always, I've, I, that's relatively new and I think it is very interesting, but I've. I do wish it would start at a lower value. Yeah. I think, <laughs> yeah. I, think they, I I'm guessing. I don't know, but they would have just as much success starting. Yeah, 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 maybe oh, even sure. more. Yeah, because
0: yeah. then then you sort of get hooked. You have yeah. that whole eBay effect of like, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm only going to spend fifty. It's like, oh, I right. could well, because first go first class and
1: business class tickets are ridiculously more expensive yeah. than coach. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah. which I never really understood, uh, and which actually leads me to, leads me to another question, which is like, why haven't any airlines kind of tried kind of bucking the trend in terms of kind of scrap, kind of scrambling for this? You know, I guess the commodity seat prices right um when i was growing up there was i had a video game called airbucks i don't know if yeah. you just saw it I, it's basically like a simulation game where you run your own airline and i remember i figured out that if you just filled a plane with first class seats it would actually do much i think i don't know how their model was working but you would run like an amazing airline <laughs> right. because super like, profitable super yeah. profitable airline <laughs> and i think it was because their model was broken somewhere that you wouldn't be able to fill the seat but like couldn't isn't there a place for kind of an airline to come in here and just be like, you know what, we're not going to constantly change prices or kind of go with the Saturn way of like? <laughs> I definitely,
2: I think of, there is at
0: a luxury. There have been attempts, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean,
2: there, certainly. You can't get first class on a Southwest flight. You can't. Yeah, you, I guess that's the other you way. Can't yeah, get the other the, direction. A lot of places, yeah, a lot of places on the low cost carrier side where there's there's just Blue way more demand, right? Yeah. There's no
1: first. I went the other way. Only Yeah, yeah, he's
0: saying the other way through, like, yeah. like only business well, I guess that's like charter Dubai. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean I just think that you don't, yeah. you don't get enough, right? I mean, you look at how many how many business class or first class seats there are on on flights. Right. Like could you actually like even even at the higher margin, could you actually get enough people so. on to 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 hit that point where where it's actually per profitable? route?
2: You might be able to. The problem there would be, I think, you have to reconfigure the plane pretty drastically, right? If you needed that plane elsewhere, uh, And so you have equipment
1: limitations of right. know, how quickly can I repurpose right, the, the plane? The real world, yeah, <laughs> interfering <laughs> with, with my economic model. <laughs> um, I mean, like so, like basically, what what are what could airlines kind of do in terms of like figuring out, um, like you know. I, I completely forgot my list. <laughs>
0: I don't know where I was going with that. So we'll, we'll no, that no, no. Uh, that's cool. The, um, I mean, I, I think. I mean, my, my other question though is, is around how it's been a, a really long time. I think since I've been on a flight that that's had like a lot of empty seats. Yeah. So there's there's sort of like the yield management question. Yep. Like that's a really interesting. It seems like a really challenging problem as well but how, how how are airlines taking that on
2: yeah so yield management that's a great question i mean and that ties in actually to what i was just talking about uh, it's effectively a function of revenue management right okay uh, mm-hmm. you, you can kind of think of them as one of them, one in the same sure. not exactly but close enough right where you of course never really want any empty seats on your plane um and you want uh you want to get, maximize the the marginal profit on every seat you sell but right. at the same time use the equipment most op- optimi- optimized 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 for the filling of the equipment, the efficient use of the equipment. That's the word I'm searching for. Sorry, um, and that and it both comes into schedule planning. So there's mm-hmm. there's schedules are usually traditionally they've been planned every season. So every season you release a new schedule um, for that season, and and most things don't change, right? You understand. It. Right. But then you can update the schedule on a very regular basis, uh, you know, daily, even if you want. One of the things you run into uh, when you could, when you want to try to cancel a flight, for instance, or something like that, is you may have agreements with the airports you're flying to and from such that, you know, right. your gate's only reserved for that time. And you have, you know, the airlines looking at that like, you know, the airport rather saying like, look, use the gate or lose it, right? I'll right. sell it to someone who will use it more often or less often. So you have questions about that. But you're right that they've that airlines have generally done a fairly uh, fairly good job of optimizing away uh, seats, at least – or optimizing away empty seats. Right. Um, and but that's at least true i think in in united states carriers like local carriers or carriers in the united states and some of the extended you know flying to the bahamas and places like that very popular flights international it's a little different i think international they planes tend to fly more often with more empty seats yeah. and the more you move into europe and asia and and into south america you end up seeing a lot more empty seats especially on what what uh, are often called flag carriers or carriers that are run by the governments mm, of right. various countries uh, those they they don't necessarily have the same profit motive, right? right.
1: Um, and so they may not care.
0: Yeah. I mean, I th- now that I think about, it, like every time I've flown in yeah. Europe, there's been a lot of empty seats. I
1: mean, has has there been like that? It, the overall net effect of these optimization of these systems should be that the utilization yep. kind of increases. increases overall. Yeah. Is that is that is that something that people have been tracking? Yes.
2: That that's definitely true. Okay.
1: Because yeah. I guess that makes sense. It's like if if you have a lot of waste, you just don't care. You know, you'll whatever. go bankrupt. So Guess there's that <laughs> <laughs> The thing about it is like, I uh, you know, airlines
2: yeah. carry very little operating capital. Right. Um, and so they, they cannot lose money. Like if they, if they lose money and, 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 uh, you know, they just don't have much cash on hand and they can't afford to pay people and they'll go out of business very, very quickly. Um, yeah, and what, so you really
0: need that optimization. You really need to be. I working mean, there've been that. so many airline bankruptcies mm-hmm. over the years, right? I mean, it's just like constant and now obviously so much consolidation as well. Yep. Um, yeah so the, the the european thing so that that reminds me of a question that that i that and and i actually reached out to a bunch of like the the booking companies or like the the fair search companies and asked this question because i wrote an article about it a few years ago this was i had a trip to europe um that was like i had to visit basically seven countries in like 10 days and so i went and i i used you know a bunch of search engines and i sort of like put in the entire itinerary and I got back prices and then just for the hell of it, I started like doing the the individual legs separately and the price difference was massive. Yeah. Um, like when I put in the entire itinerary, I, I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but it, let's say it was like $5,000. But if I did like the individual legs, it was like 2,500. Yeah. It was like half the price to do it. As Wait, just it, was, it was cheaper, cheaper to do legs. the individual legs. And, and, and I asked some people about and they were talking about like fair rules. And yeah. basically like, if you get into this, like you have to, you know, there were all of these other additional rules and they're like, and, and like everyone tried to justify it as, <laughs> um, well, you know, if you, if you miss a flight or you're late for something, then we can adjust for your entire itinerary. Whereas if you're doing the individual stuff, you can't. And I was like, yeah. but I could buy twice as many flights, you know, at the lower cost when I book it individually. Yeah. So I, you know, if I, miss one leg like i don't care so much why why is that it's
2: a great question i mean it's the same uh, uh, a similar question that we get asked too is or that people ask me all the time is like you know why is it sometimes cheaper for me to fly round trip in one way when i'm flying one way and then and then i just leave behind i just don't fly the second part of the, the the flight the flight home or the return leg um and, and it, it is related to fair ruling and it's also related to like what is the common case they want to optimize their revenue management for, right? right. And, and so I think in the case of you know, not many people fly like a seven leg flight with with week long stops, right? But they just they, they just don't have <laughs> yes. to, you know, plan so they don't plans for that, don't schedule that. They don't, I mean, and I think the answer of like, oh, it's easier for us to rebook you is weak because they're going to charge you a lot for that rebooking, so it's still way cheaper for you to just book it. I mean, and and I would uh, the answer is I would take advantage of the op- the, the, the you doing it yourself, right? In those yeah, cases, which is and what I did. It's yeah. very uh, as to the particular wise that I don't know. Um, some well, reason was, they just don't have fair rules that accommodate that kind of travel. Right.
1: There was a site last year that got some notoriety, right, for for kind of popularizing and, and searching for right. that exact use case, which is you buy like a ticket from yeah, yeah. Know, one place to another with a layover, and you just that that Did the, layover, the layover, layover is actually where you want to go. Yeah, yeah. Is it Skip flagging or skip
2: yeah something? I Forget yeah. the name of it, but I remember, and they, yeah. they got uh, you, a United, I think, Yeah, a couple lawsuits,
0: airlines. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. There was a lawsuit. I think we wrote about that too. Yeah. Um, and I know that like kayak at least of all of the ones they had like there was like a like a cheat fair it was like it was called a cheat fair I, it was huh? something like that i don't know if it was exactly that but it was effectively like you're not supposed to do this but yeah. if you you know book it this I mean, way it, it feels like
1: since the system is so complicated there there seems to be ample opportunity to kind of hack the system yeah right which is i think there's a whole community of travel hackers well that's that, and, that, and that, doing that, that. that
0: was the thing too when i, I wrote about my my experience yeah. with the european trip, like you know one of those travel hackers, like, came into the comments and was <laughs> yeah. like, you stupid idiot. Like, we all know this. In fact, you know, you could have done even better because, like, <laughs> he had this optimi- optimization trick, which was even further. It's like, if you're doing, like, a multi-country thing, uh-huh. you you want to, like like, go... I forget what it was but it was look like it work like inward in, out yeah. and yeah. it's like you could you could do like multiple <laughs> legs but like different pieces if you do this piece with this piece like that'll be cheaper and he had it all worked my, out and my it. advice if you're going to fly
2: complicated <laughs> routes like that or it, and maybe a better answer to your very first question <laughs> of where do I find the cheapest flights is you post to flyertalk.com yeah, yeah. And, and you say I'm trying to do this thing and it's then they'll, really they'll, interesting they'll and look look on it I you. assure you yeah you'll get like all they'll, of the best they'll insult hatches. you yeah yeah you're going to get
0: that's the price you pay super <laughs> great
2: people and and there's you know there are people that are like mileage run and like right. they do all these things and so they but they know the system and that, that's actually literally my best advice like, you know, just <laughs> go to flyer talk just <laughs> ask like good. i have this complicated itinerary and then you will get all the advice interesting
0: so uh, uh, but that brings up another thing too which is like the the whole like frequent flyer mileage yeah. thing and like you know i know people who are like well i'll only fly you know this airline because because of frequent flyers and i know lots of people who do international travel are like well i'll only fly united everywhere because yeah. they're the only ones who go everywhere right um what's like I, I always wonder if people are actually like spending more to stick with an airline because of frequent flyers or i mean they certainly want you to right um i think yeah no, go ahead.
2: Oh, sorry. I was, I was gonna say there there's actually a lot of optimizations. Again, you know, to reference the flyer talk books, that they, they will tell you how to get gold on whatever you want in like <laughs> one <laughs> grueling 24-hour weekend of flying everywhere you possibly that sounds can. Amazing, never, yeah, people yeah. do this all the time. Yeah. Really? People mileage run weekends all the time. Yeah. I
1: missed my silver status last year. Yeah, I liked oh. 500 miles. Oh, that's a mistake. Go to Flyer Talk <laughs> and uh, no. you would have
2: been ended up in an uncomfortable flight to like, you know, Raleigh, North Carolina <laughs> or wherever right. and back and then twice out to seattle who knows but the i i do think that it's a fine way to optimize it, certainly you end up with free flights like you probably have to do the math yeah. pretty carefully to figure out if it's worth the value right um uh, i don't know as much about frequent flyer things i know that it sounds everyone like everyone has fun for, of hacks. for people. That... Yeah, it's an optimist. People, people yeah. game. It it's has a an optimization game. optimization yeah. Problem.
0: Well, I mean, there's the the, the really famous one was the uh, the pudding guy, the pudding guy, the pudding guy. It was yep. And then the which is like legendary. Yeah. <laughs> the U.S. Mint guy. What is the what U.S. Is? Mint? The guy. U.S. Mint
2: for one, one for a while. U.S. Mint was it was selling. I think it was the Sacagawea dollar quarter okay. coins uh-huh. for oh, a I, credit card. I think you I could heard buy this. with a credit card. And so when uh, you can no, do that, no shipping, free shipping. So. You 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 literally not supposed <laughs> to be able to buy money, actual money, right. you know, with, with credit card. But like, so everyone on Flyer talking to those forms was just sort of like, "All right, I have a points credit card. I'm gonna just buy all the dollars." That's right. And then just bring them back this. to a bank, that and I'll amazing. get all the points from them. Yeah. And, uh,
0: and and for for people who are listening who don't know the pudding. Yeah. Oh yeah, please, since, sorry. Since, <laughs> since we <laughs> all do, we, <laughs> yeah. we should maybe assume that the not everyone. Right. I mean, and if I remember this correctly, like it was some some company that had it was like a food. C- like a, yeah. it wasn't just pudding, right? So this was the thing. Oh. It was a food company that had all different kinds of yeah. foods, and if you had like the UPS seals from from UPS, the yeah, UPC C- yeah. UPC seals from uh, from the these foods, you could get points and get frequent flyer miles. And this guy went through and was like, "Oh, this is a pretty good deal." And there were no limits on it. And he realized the cheapest individual item that had that had the UPC that's what yeah code was the pudding, <laughs> and so then he bought like you know like three or four states worth <laughs> all of the pudding <laughs> every he, pudding he did apparently donate pudding to yeah. like homeless shelters yeah but I think he like um, rented U-Haul trucks yeah. and was driving and he like you know got his family involved and he basically got like you know status he for milled, life because yeah, if you get a
1: million miles on United I think you get global like they're top tier yeah, for some, life he something.
2: had some amazing yeah, he, yeah. yeah. He was the, set. He figured <laughs> out that like the pudding was cheaper than miles, the dollar, right. The amount of miles you got if you were to try to... Yeah, yes, by a lot. By yeah. a significant amount. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think each pudding was like 25 cents. And, and, it, <laughs> and it was like 500 miles per pudding. I, it was something crazy. It's a really up. great story. So yeah. And we don't know all the details. So like, go do a search we on We should on have it, the so. pudding guy on the, on the podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Find <laughs> out what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Even that
2: guy that won that Big Jet from drinking root beer. <laughs> what? <Well, laughs> <laughs> Some root beer company had to win a big. This jet, sounds vaguely barked, familiar yeah. too, but like I don't it was know. Barked, Yeah, <laughs> all you
0: should have a podcast about people who have gotten crazy. <laughs> <for us. laughs> yeah, that would that would be fun. Um, so, so what else? What 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 are we missing? What what are the, what are the things, the technology stuff behind the scenes that people don't even think about?
2: Oh man, so many things! Lightning round. It, <laughs> it hasn't <laughs> changed. It hasn't changed in fifty years. now. it's it. It's all you know. Still largely run on mainframes. Even the when you see interfaces that look like they're fancy graphical interfaces, right. they're actually hiding typing in commands to mainframe terminals <laughs> uh, behind them, maybe wrapped in XML. Um, mm-hmm. It's a it's a legacy. It's very legacy, the systems. And they're very yeah, old. And there's
1: like little vestigial bits and pieces of the legacy systems everywhere, right? I oh, think everywhere. Yeah. 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 It's it's you're saying something about the, conf- the confirmation codes? Are really oh, yeah. So the confirmation
2: yeah. code that you get. You, yeah. You've seen this. So you've all gotten your six-character confirmation yeah. code. And what that originally was was the block address on a mainframe disk <laughs> of where your record was stored. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, what what a great way to pass <laughs> around all the information you need, right? <laughs> oh, just come, type this in. I'll get I definitely will get all the you, things, right? And
1: oh, when there was only one computer, <laughs> that worked out really well. That's fascinating. <laughs> scalable, a scales of like. artifacts from computing in the 1960s. Yeah,
2: so, so many things. There's a there's a bunch of regulations about like ticket, how many tickets you can attach to a, a, a personal a passenger name record. Uh-huh. Um, that is actually limited by the amount of paper you could put a staple through. <laughs> really? <laughs> so you have like all these, and that's just you know now it's in a computer, so right. But uh, or the file formats often are just reflective of what the book looked like that they huh. came from, so they're fixed-width formats, and you have uh, you know a lot of messages are passed between airlines in in, in this uh, open format that is basically reflective of being able to telegraph back. You know, you went back when you would telegraph things to people, like Western Union stuff. Oh my gosh! You would know, say, "Dear sir, I would like to fly on your fine airline," and nowadays <laughs> that has turned into like an official message, right? <laughs> right? That, that other mean, so if, if we
1: were to rebuild this entire system, yeah. Uh-huh. today that's a good,
2: good question. question right
1: like what like how would you do it uh i did that <laughs> it <Yeah. turns> out. <laughs> five years
2: ago ten years ago with some with a bunch of people in cambridge yeah um and we we did it i and i would do it differently than than we did it then of course because yeah. technology changes so fast um but I, I think that even just to being more flexible about your data store and being able to do more with that would really enable you to create environments that are better for both the customer and better for the airline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so fundamentally starting there, right? Like, how are you structuring the data and how are you structuring? Like, what pe- what it means to fly today is so different from what it meant to fly in 1950 that I think, yeah. 1960, 1970, that I think you need to really be flexible around that. There's not a lot of, uh, you can't, you don't have a high iteration speed for for changing. So I think that would also be, be a key key thing and then open interoperability standards to me one of the hidden there's a there's a whole hidden network of uh, airline traffic going back and forth over over uh, you know lease lines and networks that that are how different reservation systems and different global distribution systems and departure control systems et cetera, et cetera all talk to each other um, and those are protocols are are like there, some of them are maybe syntactically standardized, but semantically not. Mm-hmm. And that would be really useful. But you could turn those all into sort of, you know, using modern protocols and modern security and a few other things like that really would be would be quite wonderful. Um, I also think that there's a, a tremendous opportunity for someone to build. I, I mentioned the term global distribution system a moment ago. Those are those are clearinghouses uh, for for booking so that if you want to fly San Francisco to Tanzania. It's probably not one airline that does all that, and a GDS, which are typically run by people like Sabre and Amadeus, Worldspan, etc. They broker those connections and they store, they make it look like you have one travel intent. They give you one confirmation code versus like seven, right? Uh, And the and for the for the pleasure of doing this, they charge you like five bucks, Mm -hmm. right? And it just gets added to your ticket. You don't even really see it, but that to me is like. There's, that's just pure profit for them. It's like five dollars <laughs> right. of free money, basically, to do something that, you know, I'm pretty sure we could we could all yeah. hack something together in a weekend. Right. It's harder than that. I, I'm way over <laughs> to, a point. but I think like you could a you long know, weekend opening oh. that network up and really exposing it to a lot of people would help. I think innovation
0: tremendously in the industry. Interesting. So, so I guess along those lines is sort of a closing question. I mean, what, um, yeah, what what changes do you think beyond that would 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 make air flight or air travel different i guess because i want i kind of wonder how much of what we what we experience today is sort of because of all these legacy systems you know and and so like you know every once in a while you hear things like this idea of like uber for airlines or whatever things like that yeah and you know i mean there are all sorts of reasons why that might not work but I, i wonder how much we're sort of held back on the innovation side because of all these legacy systems yeah,
2: that's a good question, and I think you can see that we are. If you look at the airlines that don't participate in a lot of those legacy networks, mm-hmm. and how, how, in some ways, more successful, our Southwest is a great example sure. of someone who doesn't isn't tied to that communication network, for instance, and they can innovate a lot. Um, I think that uh, you know, that's only a small part of it, though. Like, mm-hmm. it's a tough, tough industry to be in. Think, if you think about the regulation complexity alone, yeah. So safety first, right? You really have this whole area where like you can't have an accident. Right. And we've been America's been amazing at that for the past 15 years, even longer. We haven't really had an accident, and uh, that is probably the number one driver. The second driver is then the price of fuel. It's just right. really hard to fly efficiently. I think, I think you'll and you can't innovate quickly. So, like a plane's lifetime is 30 years, right? Just for the actual plane, right?
1: So no accidents and no fuel, and we're all set. <laughs> right? No
2: accidents, no fuel, we're all set. Yeah, we just need bumper <laughs> planes that we can fly on. I don't, you know, I, I look for those. Those. I think about this a lot, and a lot of people uh-huh. talk. About what we what, what you would build in the in the airline industry, and it's very hard. I think I was too into it, right? Like in a way, <laughs> yeah. I I have this view, this insider's view that is that prevents me from seeing this like really <laughs> disruptive innovative innovative technology, and I feel bad about it. But uh, <laughs> but I do think someone will get something very innovative in the airline industry, and I hope they do because it, it could really use that disruption. Yeah. And that'll uh, be it, it'll be really hard for it to integrate with everybody else. So they'll have right. to lead in a way that everyone has to then follow. Right, right, and and you need. It's hard for an entrenched airline to do that because IT is not their first <laughs> mission, right? Because if yeah. they screw up the IT side, they've spent a lot of money uh, that they don't have, right, right, on something that doesn't matter to them, right? their Their current IT systems get 100 percent uptime. They have no nines. They're 100 percent uptime, right? And they uh, and and they they work, right? Right, and so yeah. do you want to innovate there when the price of gas means you might have to kill that product? the next day like it's hard it's it's you need someone who's willing to invest and take those risks and lead and the barrier entry are so
0: huge that,
2: yeah yeah that it, that i think it's it's tough
0: interesting well some, something to watch for but yeah, uh definitely. adam thank you thank you so much this is really really interesting um and i'm sure we could go on for longer and longer <laughs> <laughs> Infinite questions. yeah so. no it's it's great it's, it's just a really interesting space where there's a lot of innovation happening and, and a lot of historical legacy stuff that i think a lot of people aren't aware of and yeah. Uh, really fascinating to think about. So thank, thanks so much for taking the cool. time. Thanks thank for you for having us. me on. And uh thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll be back next week.
1: If we don't stand up to them, someone will get To grab a shovel and dig up the cat. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get To grab a shovel and dig up the cat.